Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Santon Times podcast as we get into that festive spirit with uh, a little bit of a different uh, intro tune, but it's all in good fun, man. We're all going into the holidays now and uh, yeah, you needed to change it up a bit. Hello to you from Cape Town in the mother city where we find ourselves this week for episode 37 week 50 of 2020. I hope you're having a, a great time wherever you are and you're staying safe, man. Oh gosh. Another week of horrible, horrible news of people passing away that we all know. Another week of uh, stories of infection spiking. So, you know, it's just unfortunate that this being technically the happiest and most exciting part of the year as the year winds down, we have to still stay safe, be aware, and just watch out what we do. If you want to get in touch with uh, this uh, show, you can email editor at santantimes.co.za. You can connect with us on social media at Santantimes, and we always welcome your feedback and input on the show. Uh, as always, please feel free to reach out. Uh, don't be intimidated or don't be scared. Or yeah, we always love to hear uh, your ideas and maybe some suggestions on people we should interview, some interesting stories, some interesting things to look at. Uh, if you want to visit the blog, you can visit santantimes.co.za and you can subscribe, share and leave a review or rating for this podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, YouTube, Overcast. It's so important for you to spread the podcast, especially this time of the year. I know there's a few people who are doing some long road trips. They're visiting family. They're maybe just getting away to a holiday home. And this is the best time to catch up on podcasts and to listen to something that could be of interest. Maybe it gets people interested for 2021. They might have not caught this podcast the whole year. And suddenly they get a chance to catch up on some of the conversations we've had this year and say, wow, this is something that could really be of interest to me going into the new year. Let me subscribe. So be that person that shares some great content because often we run out of things to listen to, especially on long uh, trips. So if you're flying, if you're driving, or even if you're just staying at home and you've got some extra time and you know you need something to listen to and something that uh, is easy to listen to, then uh, please, I do encourage you to share the Santon Times podcast and uh, yeah, put it on Facebook, Twitter, uh, WhatsApp group, or however you wish to share it. I'd like to welcome our listeners from Greater Santon and beyond, especially if you're listening for the first time, a special welcome to you. And then also our listeners all over the world and this past week, we had listeners in Lithuania and Peru, believe it or not. I'm happy to report that all is well in Santon land. And just the other day, I also spotted some cabin crew uh, back in Santon. I think it was Qatar Airways. So Qatar, welcome back to Santon. And I see that you're uh, staying at one of the hotels again, which is fabulous. As always, this podcast is powered by DeLonghi Coffee, making sure that uh, we've got the right energy levels. And uh, our taste buds are satisfied with only the best cappuccino or whatever it is that you normally enjoy. I know I enjoy a cappuccino, so that's uh, my drink of choice this morning. And uh, as mentioned, we're in Cape Town this week. Uh, more specifically, we're actually down here for a car launch, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. It's a new BMW that's been released, and I'm sure you want to hear a little bit more about that. And we're staying at the Radisson Red, and I'm going to be sharing some of the conversations I've had with the Radisson Red in Cape Town later on in the show. But first, it's time for us to get into our regular feature, and that's the stories making headlines in Santon for this week. And as always, this update is brought to you by megaflightdeals.co.za, your one-stop for non-stop cheap flights. And I know there's some great deals uh, going on at the moment, only for the next few days. The new airline called Lyft 
that is launching imminently. And uh, we're also going to be chatting to uh, one of the co-founders of Lyft uh, on this uh, episode. So make sure that you visit megaflightdeals.co.za and check out that new airline that's uh, coming online. Uh, They've got some great deals, especially if you're traveling with kids. And uh, if you're planning to go away in the next month or two, you'll want to get a good deal, man. I mean, and they've got some great uh, things lined up and it's always exciting to try something new. So, first story in the headlines this week, there was a smash and grab at the Benmore Shopping Centre in Santon, and uh, this past week, a car was broken into uh, just after 7pm in the open parking lot uh, there off 11th Street uh, entrance. CCTV camera footage reveals how the target vehicle arrived and parked approximately five minutes later. The suspicious vehicle entered the centre and drove to the target vehicle and then is seen leaving again. Then the suspicious vehicle returns to the center and goes directly to the target vehicle, smashes the back window, removes a bag from the boot of the car and exits the center. Now, Benmore Gardens has been very supportive and uh, the Santon SAPS are now looking for a Hyundai Tucson Silver registration number, Juliet Mike 512 Romeo GP. So that's JM512RGP. If you see it, do not approach the suspects should you spot the vehicle, as they may be armed and dangerous, but instead call Detective Mashimbai, Santan SAPS, on 065-803-0674. So that's 065-803-0674. And that's a Hyundai Tucson Silver registration number JM512RGP. So keep your ears and eyes open. There's a lot of stuff going on at the moment in Santan. I think as uh, people wind down, we let down our guard. Everyone in the crime world is in in full force. And uh, it's amazing how quickly something can happen. And the thing is, don't let the small things slip through. It just, you know, fade away. Report it to the police. If there's anything extra you can do, do it. Because these syndicates, these gangs are not just funding some small operations. They're also part of something bigger. And I think if you can start focusing on the smaller things, the big things will take care of themselves. So keep an eye out for that uh, Hyundai Tucson Silver uh, with that registration and uh, don't approach the suspects, but rather get in touch with the Santon SAPS. Talking about uh, crime and criminals, well, there was also a foiled diamond heist and at least 11 suspects, including two members of the South African police force, have made an appearance before the Randburg Magistrates Court this week for their alleged role in a foiled jewellery heist in Brinston, reports the SouthAfrican.com. The group was bust in an operation over this past weekend uh, after a tip-off set off a multidisciplinary task team consisting of members from various South African police service units, Johannesburg Metro police and private security companies into action at an observation point near the targeted outlet. After camping out at the scene for several hours, police noticed three vehicles driving towards the area. One of them was marked a police bucky. They then confronted the suspects before a shootout ensued. Three of the police's vehicles are bullet riddled, but the good news is that uh, everyone was caught. Some great work there with a tip-off in advance that has now had everyone arrested and a potential robbery foiled. So moving on to more police and crime stories. So the South African police has launched a manhunt for a suspect following the recovery of a stolen bucky at the Limbombo port of entry. The stolen bucky was hidden under a load of thatch brooms being transported by a light truck, uh, Defence Web reports. And if you can just imagine this picture, it's a bucky, or a pickup truck as they call it overseas, on the back of a truck. And it's literally covered in these straw brooms that you can often buy on the side of the road or even just sort of at certain markets. 
that a lot of people use in their garden or just outside on their patio. And they covered it so carefully, it's almost like camouflaged this entire car, this bucky, on the back of a truck. Some suspicious uh, officials and... Uh, some curious onlookers decided that there must be more to this than meets the eye. So the police discovered a white Ford Ranger with false number plates, uh, which had been stolen at a garage in Santon on 30th of November 2020. And it's believed that the driver was intending to cross the border to Mozambique with the stolen vehicle. So congratulations on uh, on that bust as well. Then maybe on a slightly lighter note, last week we chatted to Joff van Rienen of High Street Auctions about a collection of classic cars belonging to the late Louis Kutzer. These went under the hammer and 140 classic cars were sold, reports News24. The auction drew heavy bidding from Dubai, Australia and the UK and of course South Africa. There's a rare 1967 Mercedes Fintail station wagon known as the Universal. That went for 775,000 rand and then there was a beautifully bat-winged 1959 Chevrolet Kingswood station wagon in very good condition which sold for 630,000 rand and then there's a rare 1964 Ford Thunderbird convertible with its period correct V8 sold for 800,000 rand and then there's a 1972 Ford Capri in fair condition which fetched 320,000 rand and there's another tranche of over 100 cars from the Urm Louis collection which will be released in the new year. And finally, a, a fun social distancing project uh, from the pages of VC, local artist and designer Baba Checo and art director, illustrator and designer Lauren Colin Mitchell, also known as Curious Lauren, recently teamed up with the Stella Artois team to create wet paint, an art installation come social experiment that aims to prove that social distancing needn't be antisocial. So basically what they did is they painted these uh, fantastic benches, these wooden benches, uh, and they placed them in easy-to-spot locations around Gauteng, including the Santan Gau train forecourt. So if you want to picture this, there's a normal bench, and in the middle of the bench, they've painted a bright mural, and it looks fantastic. And what they've done is they've also then put up a little handwritten sign that says wet paint that sort of hovers over the bench. You're kind of almost forced to sit at the ends of each bench, even though it isn't that wet. It's dried by now, I'm sure, but it's quite fun because initially you think, well, it must be wet, so let me sit on the, the far end of the bench and the other person sits on the other far end of the bench. And uh, it kind of achieves what they wanted to achieve when it comes to wet paint and social distancing. Right, so I mentioned earlier on that we're down in Cape Town for a car launch and we had uh, the absolute pleasure of joining BMW for the launch of the 4 Series Coupe. And uh, we kicked off with a fantastic uh, finger lunch at Landsberg Wine Estate where the team from BMW took us through this uh, new release. I think it's quite an exciting one for them and we'll get into some of the details as uh, I tell you the story. But essentially we took a test drive through the valleys and hills of Stellenbosch and Franschhoek and then uh, a bit further down uh, towards, uh, I think it was Cape Point and then made our way back into Cape Town itself. I know it's tough. Someone's got to do it. Uh, but as expected, uh, the exterior and interior are designed beautifully of this new car if you've had a chance to see it. And I do encourage you to see it in real life because the one part that a lot of people are struggling with is the new vertical kidney grill that uh, BMW released with this car. And a lot of people are saying, it's not for me. 
and others are taking a second look and saying, you know what, actually there's something about that vertical kidney grill that I kind of like, and I'd love to hear what you think of it. But uh, it's a comfortable and premium driving experience. I mean, it's got all the bells and whistles when it comes to technology, when it comes to the sound system. The power of this car is unbelievable. I can't even tell you. Like, I mean, you put your foot down and this thing just goes, it's it's remarkable. Uh, we had the chance to uh, test drive the BMW 420i and the 420d, as well as the M440i xDrive. All equally fabulous. It all depends on what your you know flavor for power and for acceleration is. But the sound of the engine is amazing, especially even in the diesel as well. And uh, all model variants are standard with 8-speed uh, Steptronic transmission. And there's a new sprint function as well, which gives you instantaneous and dynamic acceleration, which is also really exciting. And it's got the voice-activated sort of... Um, I almost called it Alexa or Siri, but it has its own name. And, uh, you know, she listens and she kind of gives you some feedback based on, on your voice pattern. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a beautifully put together car. And, uh, yeah, it's a two-door, so it's not for everybody. So I think if you've got kids, it might be a little bit tricky. But uh, I know that uh, they'd pointed out that the, the market for this is probably somebody in their 45 to 55 range and potentially no kids. But, uh, you know, it's a weekend car. It might be sort of your Sunday, Saturday cruise to... To, uh, exotic lunches or exciting brunches have a look but i'd still like to know from you what do you think of the vertical kidney grill So during our stay in Cape Town, we've been at the Radisson Red at the threshold of the V&A waterfront and I had a chance to catch up with Leonie Andrea, general manager of the Radisson Red, but her official designation is curator. So I kicked off the conversation by asking her about this title. So basically the whole concept of RED looks at hospitality a little bit different. And if you think about a curator, you normally find them in a museum and they curate a whole experience, right? They curate like rooms, they, it's, 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 an, it's an art, it's, it has to do a lot with look and feel. And um, look and feel is what RED is all about. So instead of managing something or being like the big boss on the top, you know, my job essentially, and that's why the title is a bit different, is curating our guests and also our creatives, which we call our staff, um, their experience while working or staying at RED. And um, the whole concept stems from the idea that guests are tired of going to a hotel and seeing the same stuff all over again. And to make it more an experience. So you arrive and I mean, you arrived here yesterday and the idea is that you walk in and you're like, is this a hotel? You know, there's music, there is people walking around in t-shirts and jeans and you are approached by someone and you're like are you working here so you kind of already feel this is different you know like it's good it feels good but it's different and then um you get a gin and tonic for check-in or you know like maybe during christmas time you're gonna get a glue wine or you know like so every time even if you're a regular guest you every time find something new or different that you didn't expect in your previous day the room is still a room, it still has a bed, it still has a shower, I mean you experienced that yesterday, but then you come to the roof and again there might be live music on one day, a DJ on the other day, there might be a fashion show, um, you go down to Wewine Kitchen and suddenly we've transformed that into a vegan restaurant for two weeks because you know we are cooperating with some with some local markets and so my job is not to general manage a hotel and to look at numbers and spreadsheets that's that's a very small part of my job my job is more to um, make sure that our guests are constantly surprised constantly in touch with um, the local taste of Cape Town and 
that through the brand, no matter where you stay at any reddest and red in the world, you still know you stay at a red, but you also always have this connection to what's happening at that point in that city or, you know, what's local. So if you look at other reddest and reds, the curator in Brussels, they work a lot with comic because comic is what was born in, in, in Brussels. So when you go there, all the um, wallpaper and everything is, is, is comics. And you saw this here, we've got Cameron Platter as our artist who has designed all our wallpaper, who's, who's, who's a local artist. We, we are moving away from just looking at, you know, yeah, you're checking in, you get a bed, you get a good night's sleep, you get some eggs at breakfast and you check out again, to really connecting to our guests. And you can't do this by just managing a hotel, you need to curate it. Well, you've given us a good overview of Radisson. Yes. Which, uh, <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of really getting a feel for it. Because yeah. I think a lot of people might have not stayed at a Radisson Red. And uh, I know Johannesburg will be getting one shortly, yes. uh, which is quite exciting to hear now. It is a different hotel experience. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's obviously come about through, I'm sure, a deep insight into saying there is a market that is looking for mm-hmm. something that isn't your typical hotel. Who do you find stays at a Radisson Red when you look at your sort of guest profile? So, and this is again, there's this myth out there that it's all the young people, you know, who stay at Radisson. And that's actually not necessarily true. So um, our our portfolio is very bright or like very broad because we have a lot of people who stay with us who are corporates who are tired of their usual guest experience, especially also when there's conferencing um, connected to us. So our conferencing obviously is a bit different. You know, we can offer you beanbags, we can offer you think rooms, we've got walls that you can ride on. We've got, you know, like all different things that we already feel are normal, but we always are reminded when we, you know, like speak to guests and they're positively surprised at what we offer that it actually makes a difference if for once you can do something else. So the first guest portfolio that stays with us are corporates who travel a lot, who are actually tired of seeing the same all over again and who, who, who look to single travelers who want to have a connection, who want to have a beer downstairs at the bar and not feel that they're in a lonely hotel bar, but there's a vibe. You know, we are, we, there's music, there's people, um, creators will chat to you, there's a ping and pong table where you can, you know, challenge someone to, to, to game, there are TVs where you can maybe watch a football match. Um, if there's one on, um, there's like a football table, like the, one of those, you know, football tables. There's a gin blending that you can do. So I would say this is the first part of people who really enjoy it. And then you've got actually quite a big crowd of international travelers who, again, like are looking for a secure and safe location, which we are, you know, like obviously in the middle of the VNA waterfront. So they can just lock up and go to all attractions without necessarily having to rent a car or to walk through any, you know, like dodgy or not so dodgy areas. They're right here um, to just walk into the VNA. And they then again can experience Cape Town with a local taste, you know, and it's there's something happening at this hotel. Um, the rooms itself, they, they, they are, you know, they, they're decent size, they are clean, very clean. Actually, we've just won the cleanest hotel um, in, in South Africa in our group, so that was quite oh, an achievement. Thank you. <laughs> but um, so, you know, it's, it's also people who literally look for an easy concept that is that allows them a good location and a good deal because the rooms itself, they are, you know, what you, what you expect of a great hotel room. The beds are super comfortable, the showers are great, and you've got amazing views over Table Mountain. So that's, you know, like that's, that, that is, I think for any age, something where you say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go for that. Box ticked. Exactly, box yes. ticked right there. 
um, and and then you know like obviously there there is um, there there is a big market right now for the local travelers who come who are looking for a good price point who then again um, are appreciating that they can use the rooftop bar which is obviously always open to in-house guests um, and who can then have an easy access to all attra attractions in Cape Town. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned something really great. Uh, its location is fantastic. I mean, you're right next to the Silo Hotel here in 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 the waterfront, very centrally located. Mm. And I think location is always a great thing. Uh, doing all these interesting things is super exciting until you get into a situation that we've had in the last six months. And then it must have been a complete reinvention of the wheel because <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's it's easy when things are going well, mm. but when things are challenging, mm. you, you expect it to be a whole different kind of creative. Mm. And how have you dealt with this period? So for us, I think, and again, we'll like. There was a time where I said to my team guys, "There is no light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just let's just light a bonfire inside. You know, let's just be the light ourselves. Because if we keep on trying to find that light at the end, it might not come in 2020. And um, by taking this approach, we really quickly set some priorities. The first one was we needed to get the SGS certificate. So we needed to make sure that what we do is certified and that what we're doing is right in terms of hygiene and everything. So having a clean hotel has should have always been, you know, like a thing. Like I, I was always very surprised how people were like, please wash your hands. And I was like, did no one do that before? Like, you know, this is like stuff I was like, so to be a clean hotel was always a thing, but we suddenly had to obviously learn much more about social distancing, about uh, disinfecting, about, you know, like um, all the cleaning cycles um, and, and how does this virus work and, you know, how can we protect our staff and our guests from it. And through this process, we became, you know, like very serious, you know, that was a serious conversations we need to have, needed to look at and say, okay, what can we still do as red and still have fun? With you know, in the norms of absolutely being being compliant with with the newest with the newest and highest standards possible. Good thing for us is obviously we've got space. We um, it's it's open big spaces. You you know, if you look at the roof, it be but the windows can be open. So there's lots of air circulation. We were very fortunate that our aircon is already single use, so they are not connected to other rooms. So you know, like that's something. Um, quite important and um, that obviously we don't have carpets in the room it's it's all stuff that is very easily disinfected and very easily cleaned once um, once all those protocols came in place and um, from here it was reinventing our events a little bit you know leaving like looking at capacities halving it um, looking at our entertainment Obviously, dancing at the moment is not a thing. We love to dance, so suddenly we just, you know, <laughs> needed to, to look at, you know, more acoustic music, more, you know, just, just change, change the environment a little bit. And um, still making sure that we we are with the trend of, of, of delivering, you know, like, like a great experience for guests who now are coming back out. And it's it's for us, as I said before, like there's, there's our guests who need to be safe. It's my staff that needs to be safe. We all need to make sure that whatever we do, we do it, you know, like by keeping everyone assured that, you know, like we do everything we can so that this virus doesn't enter our hotel. Well, I love how you just said, uh, you know, 
that certain things were cleaned and you thought they'd always cleaned yeah. things before and that's why I always laugh about some of the airlines at the moment mm. when they say no we're doing a deep clean after each uh, flight and we're wiping yes. down everything and I'm thinking well what were you doing before exactly, like, exactly. was it just like a sort of a, a Kleenex tissue <laughs> yes, and you just yes. gave it a wipe and then like the next people came on I mean it's actually yeah. quite scary yeah. and when we also chat to a lot of chefs when we talk about the buffet mm. and how many things actually if you think about it now were mm. actually horrendous yes uh, and there's a couple of things that I've actually welcomed mm. coming yeah. because of all of this yeah. in terms of the way buffets are run mm. so I guess maybe there's a lot of things we can take mm. out of it yeah. December January is clearly Cape Town's busiest time mm. uh, in terms of revenue in terms of people visiting what are your hopes for this period uh, in terms of coming out the other side in 2021 with uh, some sort of result? Mm. I think, you know, we, we've seen a great pickup in local travelers. You know, I mean, we've always been a hotel that attracted a lot of Joburgers. You know, Joburg um, obviously likes to come down to Cape Town um, during this time. So that's great to see that those bookings, you know, like are picking up. Um, Europe at the moment obviously is going through a second wave. So we see, but you know, the airlines are flying again and you see now more and more also internationals inquiring. And I kind of have the hope that there's a lot of people who couldn't fly last year, just postponed it to next year. And just saying, you know, like, no, we're gonna come back. We're just gonna have to postpone. And um, that's from the inquiry level, we see that's, that's where it's going. And now the vaccine seems to be coming along quicker than everyone thought. So I'm, I'm as I said, I'm, I'm a light a bonfire inside the tunnel and let's, let's just try and see the positive because there's no other way than through it, right? I mean, we, we can't go over it, we can't go under this. We just need to go through this and make sure that we, we make the best out of it. And I can say, I again loved how this whole country, how my team, how everyone has put actually quite a positive spin onto this and said, you know, we are strong, we can do it, let's support local, let's go out there, let's help each other and um, let's let's try and, you know, like um, make this a safe but still an experience. So the restaurants that I go to and that I observe and that I work with are all very, very mindful of, you know, like adhering to certain standards and making sure that we're hopefully not going to have to go through any second wave or another further lockdown. You're part of the Radisson Group, mm -hmm. Residor, I think is yes. the, the big holding company. And I mean, I suppose there's some advantage to that, mm. I think, uh, as opposed to being sort of an independent hotel mm. sitting in the waterfront. I mean, at any point, are you able to sort of pick up the phone to a, a colleague at another hotel and say, listen, you know, I'm not sure how to deal with this or, you know, we were thinking about doing that. Have you guys come up with a better solution? Mm. I mean, is there sort of that cooperation across the group or some sort of standards across the group that, that are introduced uh, during this time? Absolutely. Like Redison is probably one of the first big hotel chains that came out, you know, like together with a few others, very strict standards, very strict protocols, um, always saying, you know, you always have to implement the stricter one. So if Redison wasn't strict enough and the government has a stricter one, you always need to go with your local, you know, whichever is stricter. And in 99% of the cases, it was actually from the group, very strong guidance to keep it, keep it very much with the protocol. And that's why we also got the SGS certification. Um, and for Red, obviously, there was this little, which I thought was an amazing challenge for us and which, I mean, you stay here, you can tell me how we did it, but I think we managed it very well. Is we, 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 I made a very conscious decision from the beginning to saying, yes, COVID-free, but still plastic-free. 
And I think that's something we've seen over and I've seen in other establishments where now suddenly, you know, the planet isn't as important anymore. So everything is wrapped in plastic. Everything is single use, single use masks, single use, you know. And so we from the beginning said, I'm not we're not going to do that. We're going to use tins. We're going to use glass. We're going to use things that actually is not plastic. And we're not going to start wrapping everything up in plastic by still keeping it you know, like sanitized, individual, packed, not wrapped, and if wrapped, then in brown paper bags, or, you know, just making sure that we do not now, you know, we, we just come out of an environmental, not crisis, I mean, we are still in it, not to forget, you know, that the environment is still under a lot of pressure. And so that was something, again, that felt a lot of support from, from the group to say, no, we still need to be a responsible business also in these areas. We can't just, you know, serve the one and forget the other. Um, you saw the Christmas tree. Our Christmas tree is a tree made out of bottles, like a full re recyclable, no plastic Christmas tree. And I want to say that we are quite proud of maybe having 5% in our hotel that still has a little bit of plastic here or there, but which is like laminated things. But we are even working on trying to get that out. In terms of the Christmas tree, I think you were just looking for an excuse to drink all these exactly, uh, yes, gin bottles. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let, let's be let's be honest let's here. Be honest, you know, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. And then it looked like a good tree as well. Yeah. No. But seriously, I, I, it's interesting that you say that, and I'm so glad you raised that. Uh, you know, on my on my flight down here, mm. a lot a lot of the airport lounges have opened up mm. again, so people are able to go to the lounges again after many months. And one of the things that completely hit me was the fact that they'd opted to go for everything wrapped. Mm. And when I say everything wrapped. Everything was wrapped. Mm. And I actually had a moment when I was sitting there having breakfast, which is not what it used to be in mm. terms of uh, the normal sort of lounge buffet. I mean, it's mm. sort of, you know, it's muffins and granolas and whatever. But I think the pile of single-use plastic that I had on my table mm. was almost as much as the food that I'd consumed. Mm. And I thought, my goodness, if you've got a few thousand people going through these lounges, yeah. like you said, the issues around climate change and, and the environment haven't stopped because we've mm. now got a, a pandemic. And funny enough, I think a lot of people have become more environmentally conscious because of the virus, yeah. you know, even if it isn't necessarily sort of a, a direct natural sort of uh, correlation. But it's good to see that you are keeping that in mind as well. And we have seen, you know, some of the hotel groups even opt, opt for sort of glass cloches and, mm. and these sort of things. And I think the more people try and do that within reason, uh, the yeah. better. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a very encouraging move to mm. see that happening. Is there anything in your career that prepared you for this? I always said to my team in the beginning, I was a junior manager when the Lehman Brothers crisis happened back then in, in the States when, you know, like everything collapsed and, you know, like the markets went down and... And I remember like seeing how from one day to the other, you know, like all the corporate business was pulled and I was back then working with Four Seasons and they just, you know, like then also had to move people around and, you know, like the career web page where there were normally 100 or 200 jobs posted suddenly shut down. So it all went very quickly. And I was fortunate enough back then, or I still remember, you know, like what our GMs did back then and how they reacted. and. So when I know was when when this happened, I, it reminded of it. It reminded me of that time of when suddenly you know something happens and within weeks, very quickly, everything changes. That that crisis back then didn't change the way of running hospitality. It was basically a crisis, a dip in the in the market, a long dip. It took quite some time to recover from it, but it wasn't a pandemic, obviously. So it was a bit similar. And but as I said, I was also a junior manager. I could observe my 
you know, senior leadership on how they do it. And it was quite interesting um, for me now to also say to my junior managers to say, you know, just enjoy this ride, watch what we are doing, you know, like I can guarantee you if you stay in the hospitality industry, the likelihood that within 30 years you're going to have to go through something similar in your career one day again and hopefully, hopefully only once or twice again is actually quite... Um, Quite, quite possible and because as much as this industry is the best industry to work at and anyone who wants to work at it has made the right decision I think it's it's a beautiful industry to have a job in it's also a very volatile industry who you know like and depending on which areas you are is susceptible to terrorism is you know like any major nature crisis or pandemics you know like obviously that's the industry that get gets hit often the worst and like like the crisis um, in the States, it has also back then taught me always to look at creative ways to, you know, to, to, to always run your business from the beginning in a lean way, you know, like to always try to make sensible decisions and to to then be aware that everything, you know, could change in a second. So to keep quite agile and to always be able to change your model depending on um, on on the environment. And I think that's what we achieved quite well to do. Well, I mean, nothing like having a pandemic and uh, a financial collapse on your CV. Exactly, um, right? I mean. Managing through crises, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, always a good skill to yes, have. Yes. You've got uh, European heritage. I mean, yes. you've, you've come from Germany. And I think one of the things I always notice, especially in South Africa, because you're so close to the, to the picture, you can't often see it, yeah. is the attraction of people coming to Cape Town mm. or coming to South Africa. And as somebody who's been here for a bit, mm. but still has maybe a bit of an international perspective on, on South Africa or mm. on Cape Town as a destination, what is it for you that makes it such a great place to come to? You see, it's there is something magical here and I don't you know I'm, I've, I've lost my belief in unicorns and everything a long time ago but there's still there is something and it's and the thing is it's a combination because there, there's great places everywhere else that has beaches and actually an ocean that you can swim in without having to you know like freeze or put on you know two layers of wetsuit and there's other great places that have mountains and there's millions of places that have great food but Cape Town, and I don't even want to only put it onto Cape Town, I really want to put it onto South Africa, has has all of that amazing landscapes, a very changing landscape. Like, I mean, this is very different to what you see in the Eastern Cape, to what you see in Johannesburg and, you know, like that area. And then you go to the West Coast and I mean, we could talk ages about that. So there's, there's this, just this beautiful, still a bit raw country. There is like the, the scenery that you have. Um, Again, wines, you can go to France, you know, wines you have everywhere, but then still here, you know, like there's, there's, there's such a, such a beauty about how those little, uh, those different um, wine areas have made their mark in their different areas. And then you've got the people. And I think people, like we forget that, that South Africans have a very, very warm and welcoming mentality, but that there is, it is called the rainbow nation for a reason, you know, there's so many different cultures and so many different things that, this country in itself has to offer that you can't compare to anywhere else where I've been at least so there's lots of culture there's lots of there's music there's laughter there is there's there's so much in this country and I didn't expect it when I got here you know we were going to come maybe for a year or two and I remember my previous boss who used to live um, here for a long time he said to me you know South Africa goes under your skin and that always has said it for me. Like it's it's very true. It 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 stays with you. And if I 
speak to my guests, the ones who come first time or the ones who are now here for the fifth, 10, 15th time, they all would say the same. They just say it is a magical place. This country has something. It's maybe not so long anymore the best kept secret because I think it's coming out more and more people find out that it's not a secret anymore. But it's definitely very special. Well, I think that's a nice warm feeling to leave it on. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, the lady okay. in charge of curating yes. the Radisson Red in Cape Town. Thank you so much for joining us on this Pleasure. podcast. Thank you. That was Leonie Andrea, curator of the Radisson Red in Cape Town. Uh, I also had a chance to catch up with Chef Nazir Abdullah of the Radisson Red. Let's take a listen. To explain to you what, what Radisson Red it's Cape Town. It's it's what we're known for. It's what I'm known for. It's it's going back to basics. Going to back to what we know. We are young, trendy team between the age of 22 to 30, and we grew up with Cape Town flavors, local markets, local spice shops. So I try and introduce that into my menu from top to bottom, whether it's from breakfast into your main meals or into room service. It's what we're known for. So if you go to McDonald's get a burger in a box. We try and incorporate that into room service. We also, if our burgers, our, our normal basic flavors is very much to do with Cape Town, like your poor cup, Hoodstock, Hoodstock bakeries, our Orania Sig market that's around us. And all our supplies are all local. So I try to keep it original, authentic. And I think chefs just want to work with, with if I can say simple food, but very authentic, very flavorful, and I think that's how we present ourselves. So we're not gonna try and, and, and cultivate or capitalize on certain things that we've never been exposed to. So they've exposed to normal local flavors, they grew up like that, and I'll actually just push them on that. So if somebody comes here for the first time, they've never tried your uh, yes. menu before, uh, what would you tell them to have a look at? What would your signature dishes be that they should be trying? Look, if, uh, the people that come to, to Radisson Red Cape Town, it's it's your local, your, it's, your, it's your Cape Town market. There's people that knows pizzas, knows burgers. So we would go that route. And then obviously on your smaller tapas meals, and that's where you replica your, your, your really what you do authentically, which is your flavors, which is very much local, Cape Town masala, very Cape Town flavors, which is very, very deep. I wouldn't say spicy, but very much flavorful of, of dishes. I think one of the other big attractions of the hotel is not just the, the restaurant downstairs, which has a little bar area as yes. well, but you've also got a fantastic rooftop uh, deck as well. And I think you serve lunch uh, yes. and, and cocktails there as well. 100%. Uh, what's kind of on that menu? What, are you, what, what do people come for here? So if I look at it, and, and, and quite frequently that I've, that I've been here now on, on, on many occasions from a Monday to a Sunday, you look and, and people come differently for a beer a cocktail and something nice to eat and they can actually share. So very much on share boards, like mini tapas, so you put five tapas down or you put three tapas down and you, you come up with an average price for that. So it's very much for, for what our creative sell to them, it's very much an interactive. Do you feel like a burger or do you just feel like chicken strips? And, and that's where we are versatile. We actually just cater for anything. We have all the yes I can spirit. So when it comes back to the kitchen, I've been trying to incorporate on weekends, which South Africa or Cape Town is known for its big prize. I have a pry area upstairs where I can throw the ribs. So whether I, I go to my local markets and I grab the finest cut of meat, whether it's the rabbi or the sirloin, that's actually what I showcase on the weekends. What are you hoping to now introduce into the menu now that we've kind of found our rhythm with COVID-19 protocols? Because, yes. I mean, let's be honest, they don't really change the flavor or no, the of makeup course. of the dish. It's really just the way it's served or the way it's prepared. Now that we've got that part sorted out, yeah. are you hoping to kind of introduce some new things now for summer? 
so if I look at it more from like the volume that we want to do, um, I definitely do want to do some changes. Like we've now in time incorporated not moving away from desserts and saying, you know what, let's do actually a candy cage. So people do come there, they have the beer, they just actually want some gin wine comes or they just want some, some Astros or anything and then you can incorporate the ice cream. So what we're trying to do now is maybe achieve more um, fun stuff. So craziness, but of fun saying, you know what, this ice cream, this popcorn, I can throw it in one bag and I can just chow on it. Well, it sounds like a great thing. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Pleasure. Thank you very much. So there's a new domestic airline taking to the skies of South Africa this week. Lyft, backed by Kalula.com founder Gidon Novik, looks to change an outdated supply-driven high-debt airline model. Gidon joins me on the line right now to discuss this. Uh, Gidon, all pre-flight checks done and you're cleared for takeoff, I take it? Yeah, we are. It's, uh, it's getting pretty close and uh, the team are all, all fired up. Lots of last-minute work still to do, but, uh, but we're ready to go. So the first line of your website states that uh, many think it's a crazy time to be starting an airline, but you think it's the best time ever. Why is that? Well, we think it, uh, it's always the right time to do something right. You know, there's a lot of things that are um, opportunistic in the industry. Aircraft are very available and affordable. There's a lot of incredibly talented people in the industry that are eager to get working again. South Africa desperately needs support to its tourism industry. We, we, we are the most incredible tourist destination in the world and tourists need to get around the country. Other interesting thing is which COVID has shown all of us is that people actually want to connect with other people. And uh, as good as Zoom is in terms of making things efficient, uh, people actually want to see their family, their friends, their business colleagues. So, uh, so air travel is here to stay. Well, Gidon, it's not the first time that we've seen a new domestic airline brand enter the market. What is the formula for surviving this challenging sector? So from a business point of view, I think the model's got to be conservative and in particular around debt and you know, owing lots of money. That, that's a model that, that isn't very sustainable. So it's important to have a model that you know, is not burdened by debt. And then I think it's also really important to have a customer-oriented model and, um, and a focus on, on customers and travelers. One of the things we've found, particularly with COVID, is that people really need flexibility. When they're booking their trips, plans change, dates change. With COVID, you know, people have had to change their plans. So one of the first things we've introduced is full flexibility. So if people need to change or cancel their flights, they're able to do so without incurring penalties and without, without having a hassle in the process of doing it. Is that the only sort of differentiation proposition that Lyft has or are there some other ones as well? Well, they're going to be many, and um, you know, there's you know, there's kind of the hard functional things like flexibility, and then, you know, one of the things we really want to do is to build up, help build great South African brands, and uh, you know, South Africa is just such an incredibly inventive, creative place. We 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 have uh, such talented people, and we're working with brands like Superbalist. They are kitting out our crew. We've got magnificent uh, crew kits that, that our crew will be wearing. It's different to what people are used to. It's going to be fashion wear. We're going to change it regularly with, with the changing fashions. On our morning flights, we're working with Vida E Cafe. They've come up with a special blend of coffee that we're going to be serving in the morning. So we're going to really, we really like to look at the detail and all the touch points of the customer experience that we can influence. And do you find that that's more of a marketing novelty or is that becoming an essential part of creating an attractive modern airline proposition? 
you know, people expect the basics, which, you know, which is, you know, is the, is the flight going to be safe? Is it going to take off on time? Is it going to be affordable? You know, those are kind of tickets to the game. Everybody's got to do that if, if they want to play a part in the, uh, in the industry. Uh, we, we obviously have to get that right, but more so we need to create an experience that people value and remember. And that's why we'll be looking at, and, and we have been looking over the last six months, building the airline at every touch point, every, every point on the customer journey that we can influence and, uh, and improve. Well, Gideon, this isn't your first time going and launching an airline. Is it uh, easier the second time around or what's changed since you did this, I think it's almost 20 years ago? It's such a great and uh, interesting question. I mean, you know, some of the basics around flying airplanes and, and all of that has, has pretty much stayed the same. What's been fascinating for me is the, is the marketing environment and, and particularly the uh, social media. It's just, you know, I've kind of always known and understood intellectually how important it is, but I'm experiencing firsthand how real it is and how uh, people want to be a part of a brand. They don't just want to be, you know, on the other side as a customer. They, they want to be involved and included. And, uh, and that's why, you know, from the start, even with the naming of Lyft, we went out to the public and, and eight South Africans actually named Lyft. They came up with the, with the name and we've actually inscribed their name on, on the aircraft. So, so we've been really collaborative and I think we'll continue to be collaborative from a marketing point of view. We don't have all the answers. We've got some of them. Um, and we really want to make it a, a collaborative uh, effort with, with great South African brands and with the South African public as well. Well, I believe your initial routes are George and Cape Town. Uh, what sort of is the next expansion plan? Are you also looking to go uh, regionally as well? You know, we'll, we'll be open to opportunities over time, but we want to focus on, you know, certainly the Johannesburg to Cape Town route. It's one of the busiest, it's the, it's, it's the busiest route in the region and one of the busiest routes in the world, actually. And we want to focus on that route, make sure we can get South Africans, uh, certainly Joburgers, uh, down to Cape Town, exploring that beautiful part of the country. Uh, when the tourists come back, we want to be transporting them down to Cape Town as well. And, uh, and, and just focus on that route and just do it really, really well. Um, we, we, you know, we don't have ambitions to be the biggest, but we certainly want to try uh, try be the best. As somebody who uh, has a particular uh negative feeling towards uh, clear air turbulence. I'm quite interested to find out uh, if you've managed to get some really good pilots on board and some really good crew at this time where most airlines are laying off a lot of good crew. We've got exceptional crew. Um, even as exceptional as they are, they won't be able to fix the clear air uh, turbulence issue. Um, <laughs> often uh, people think it's the, it's the cabin crew, it's, it's, the, it's the pilots that are you know, causing the bumps. It's mostly not. But we've got incredible crew and there's, there's so many talented people around, you know, still, still looking for work in the industry. And, uh, and hopefully we'll be changing that. Well, Gideon, I know you've got an airline to get off the ground, so I'm going to leave you to it. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And uh, I wish you many happy air miles and uh, all the best as you get ready for your first flight. Thank you. And thanks for all your support and uh, looking forward to seeing you on board soon. Thank you so much. Earlier this year, in the heart of lockdown, I had a chance to speak to South African entrepreneur Alan Knott Craig, executive chairman of Hero Telecoms. Let's take a listen. Look, it's important to start with what is actually going to happen to the country. So, if we, it doesn't really matter uh, whether 
the corona crisis results in an acceleration of a better world if we have a zombie apocalypse in South Africa because of unemployment. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's where it's important for me at least to kind of measure our country and how it's reacting to the crisis to other countries because in absolute terms, it doesn't really matter how we react. We must just do better than other countries. And I think both from a health, luckily because of BCG probably, but also from a generally how we're managing the crisis. If you were to compare how Cyril's doing versus Donald Trump, I mean, we're just doing an amazing job. So then you're faced with a couple of scenarios um, um, and those scenarios are, does, does SA just kind of trundle along like it's done for the last 10 years or, or do we use this crisis as an opportunity to accelerate certain fundamental changes? And unless we do that, I mean, it doesn't really matter what happens. I mean, the country can't change unless we privatize certain things and probably nationalize other things and, you know, cut the wage bill and, get tax receipts up and help people grow and, you know, get more internet out there. I think the, I think one of the massive insights for me, just watching my own children now, is how powerful the internet is for education. And uh, schools and teachers have always been a bit resistant to that type of thing. But now that every, every school in South Africa is forced to, to remotely teach, people are realizing it's, it's not such a big deal. And even more interesting is that you don't have to have the world's best math teacher living in Butterworth. The world's best math teacher can live where they want to live. As long as the kids in Butterworth have an internet connection, they can get the best math lesson. So that kind of migration from traditional school classrooms, training school teachers and all of that to an online world is good. doesn't mean schools disappear. It means schools are still there. You need a crash effectively to look after your kids whilst you're at work. Yeah. But we don't have to like have these unreasonable expectations that you know are miraculously overnight. We're going to train up all of our teachers and have amazing schools and that's going to fix the education system. I mean, that's not. That's never going to happen. So it's just completely unrealistic to keep pumping money into that and think that's going to work. You know? Well, it has given us a, sort of almost like a fast track into the future in terms of a lot of things where you know we've sat at these World Economic Forum conferences and heard you know digital migration and all these wonderful things that the future can bring us. And then next year we're there again having the same conversation again. And yeah. suddenly something like this happens, and within seventy two hours, uh, everyone's working from home. Everyone's connected yeah. to high speed internet, the servers, whatever, and and it, and it just happened. You posted a really great, uh, I think, anecdote or story about Winston Churchill. I think it was about six days ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he, he, it's the story of, uh, I think, Churchill was going on a walk uh, with somebody and uh, he was asked about, you know, how, how does he feel about the situation that, that Britain was finding itself in, in in World War II, which you allude to feels a little bit like we are in right now. And I'm going to quickly just uh, indulge me while I, I just read this out because I think it's such a fantastic oh. story. And, and Churchill responded to, to, to Craig Rivett and, who shares this answer. And he says, one evening, two frogs, an optimist and a pessimist, were hopping around a dairy. Distracted by the number of flies and cows, they both fell into a vat of half-filled milk. Upon seeing the high of the walls and and realizing that there was no escape, the pessimist frog crawled into a ball and sank to the bottom. The optimist frog saw the same walls and came to the same realization as the pessimist frog. But instead of giving up, he decided to keep on swimming. He believed that if he stayed afloat long enough, something would save him. So he kept swimming and swimming right through the night. The next morning, because of his kicking, some of the milk had been churned into butter. He has been able to stand up and jump out to safety. The moral of the story, no matter how bad it seems, keep swimming. You have no idea how the story is going to end until it has ended. Is that your mantra for this time right now, Alan? Yeah, that's my mantra for life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... You know, every entrepreneur faces these types of this macro crisis that we're going through as a micro crisis in the life of every entrepreneur. 
And you, you have to get your mind right about, you know, this concept of resilience and just never giving up and not, not getting pessimistic. Like, uh, you know, you can't get, you can never get into a pessimistic mindset. And I, and I, weirdly enough, I find that the longer I'm an entrepreneur, the more I believe in this, uh, like the importance of religion, not that I'm religious. It's just that this concept of having faith, believing in the unseen is a very useful tool to operate in life, particularly in an uncertain time, because you, you don't know what's coming around the next corner. You just have to believe that it's going to be okay. If you can't believe everything's going to be okay, you freeze and you stop moving. And if you stop moving and if it turns out to be okay, you've missed out. If you stop moving and things turn out to be a disaster, well, you were, you were going to die anyway. So the whole idea of faith is just to keep moving forward and just believing that tomorrow is going to be okay. And Winston Churchill sums it up in that little anecdote about the frogs. Never give up. And, and I guess it's also not just a matter of just having faith in the unseen. It's almost also creating the, the new vision or a new idea of what the future is going to look like. Because what I'm finding with a lot of people is that they're all sitting like deer in the headlights and nobody wants to make any move for complete paralysis. Yeah. And it's almost like someone's waiting for someone to just stand up and go, listen, this is what things are going to look like. This is where we're going. So you can either come with me and we're going to do this, or you can carry on sitting yeah. in your corner and, and you know, being worried about the future. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you completely on it, Alex. I mean, I personally would love to find a leader in South Africa that I just got out of bed to follow, you know. In the absence of that, you know, I, I have my own little mission in life. My own personal mission is I'd like everybody, every single person in South Africa to have unlimited free internet, you know. It's completely unrealistic and probably never going to happen, but it's a dream and it's something worth chasing. And I keep raising that standard and I find people follow that because if you're not lucky to have, to have a dream, you want to follow somebody with a dream. Um, a crisis like this and a country like this gives us opportunities to think of completely transformational things. But well, you know, once you've pictured your mountain that you're chasing, you can't think about every single step between you and the mountain because you'll stop. It seems impossible. You must only think about the next step. And once you've taken that step, you look up, you look at the mountain again, then you look down and you ignore all the steps except, except the next step. And hopefully by the time you die one day, you've got closer to the mountain. Alan, what are you thinking about when you're, when you're up at night? And I'm very, very concerned for the, for the welfare of the majority of South Africans who are not, you know, they don't live like I do. I think a lot of people are living hand to mouth and they're living in an environment they can't sit inside their house all day long. They don't have internet access, for instance, kids running around. I mean, it's... It's an extremely, um, not just upsetting in terms of just as a human being thinking that, you know, there are a lot of people are suffering. It's also extremely disconcerting to think that I live in a country that with so many people that are kind of, kind of being pushed towards the edge and you kind of end up with a zombie apocalypse type of thing where, you know, it becomes unlivable. You know, we already are living in a, we were before this crisis living in a bit of a cauldron of inequality. But that's where my frog analogy comes back. You know, it's sometimes hard to see to the end a happy ending, but it's not about that. It's about having faith and just believing. And I've always told people, uh, it's no good saying to yourself, you're not happy in South Africa unless you plan to leave South Africa. And once you've done your maths around what you need in order to leave South Africa, which means you need your family to leave with you, you need enough money to live overseas, a whole lot of things. Um, if you can't do that, well, then you can't leave. And if you can't leave, there's no point being negative. You just have to be very positive about the future and keep moving forward. I mean, we've seen that this particular situation that we find ourselves in has has almost magnified or amplified the world of 
technology and apps. I mean, we're seeing Bolt and Uber and Mr. Delivery, you know, kind of almost coming into their prime uh, e-commerce, maybe to some extent, and maybe there could be more that we could be doing in that space uh, right now. Do you feel that this kind of situation will also catalyze things and move things forward in terms of 5G and a lot of the other technology that's maybe sort of just been sitting in the wings? Yeah, so on the subject of, you know, internet companies, um, there's been a lot of noise because there's been a lot of capital available for anybody who wanted to start an internet company, like, you know, for instance, Uber. Um, and and that capital is all dried up now. So there's also going to be a bit of a felt fire around apps and websites, et cetera, which is going to be good for the guys that are well run and have got good business models and are not overgeared. And they will kind of consolidate the market. As another example, a company like Namola, you know, it's got quite a few competitors out there, but they're not, they're not as big and they're not well funded. And this type of crisis wipes out the competition and you're left with a kind of a, a single point of entry for those companies. So the, the strongest will thrive at the end of this whole, this whole thing. And, and the weakest will just be left by the wayside. The technology side of things, you know, in, in the world of telecoms, you've kind of got three ways you can get on the internet. You can, you kind of get on the internet using, you know, this kind of 4G, 5G roadmap. It's not a, it's not affordable to, to roll out those networks. Um, it costs a lot of money and then you have to make your money back. So, you know, in terms of retail pricing, is that going to be the answer for everybody in South Africa? There's no ways in a, in hell that most South Africans will be able to afford a 5G connection to their home or, or roaming anywhere. It will be a great solution in the metros. It's a great solution in the wealthy parts of the metros. Um, there's something called fixed wireless, uh, which on my business actually does a lot of fixed wireless and that uses Wi-Fi spectrum. It's a lot more affordable, but again, it's about 700 bucks a month and most people in South Africa can't afford 700 bucks a month. So in truth, there's only one solution that gives people the unlimited internet access at a price point that they can afford. And that's going to be fiber, fiber to the home. And that can only really happen at scale. You know, if you're doing it, if you're only connecting 10,000 houses, then you can't get your cost. You, you can't reach the economies of scale you need in order to reduce your retail price. Um, if you're doing a million homes, then you can kind of get it down to about 200 bucks a month for uncapped internet. So in my opinion, in the next 10 years, you're going to see a massive explosion of fiber to the home in rural South Africa. We know that Bishop's Court and Santon have got it, but it's going to go into the poor, peri-urban and poor areas of South Africa. People are going to find it insane that you are using 5G to do a Zoom call at home. That is like insanity. <laughs> You'll do everything over fiber. The only time you'll ever use a wireless network is when you're mobile. This has been also part of the conversation. I think I've seen in, in a lot of the tertiary education space, also even in the in the high school space, where a lot of the schools and a lot of the education institutions are shifting to online, which was you know a bit of a, a fringe idea a couple of years back, and suddenly it's the only way of doing it. But but we're seeing this inequality pop up right now, where we're seeing people saying, "Well, this is all good and well, you're offering me these fantastic lectures, you know, somewhere in, in cyberspace, but I, I I don't even have enough money to to buy candles to light my my dwelling. Never mind, you know, get data yeah. now to stream a one hour lecture." Yeah. Absolutely, I mean that's just bullshit, you know. And um, funny enough, the school my children go to is a school called Rednish Primary School in in, in Stellenbosch. Um, and they've got a similar problem. They've, it's a government school, so they've got a number of children living in the townships that don't have home Wi-Fi, and yet the, the school continues. Project Isiswe, which is a non-profit organization I started a few years ago, they actually have helped the school now, and they've kind of matched um, the school now provides the funding through you know, uh, donor parents, and they fund uh, home Wi-Fi for all the children living in Kaya Mandi for the duration of the lockdown. 
So that's like, that's a great example of a short-term solution for internet access so that you don't have this even bigger digital divide where they, the poor kids are going to fall down academically simply because they don't have internet at home. And actually, that's another, that's like something that other schools in Stellenbosch are starting to copy and use Project Estesway for. And there's another example of why South Africa is an amazing country to live because, you know, with very little effort, you can make a big difference in other people's lives. And there's a lot of people that are needing their life to be changed because as we saw with uh, a lot of the money that's putting towards uh, you know dealing with a lot of the issues that we're having with COVID-19 a lot of it is going towards that grassroots level where, where people are needing you know are worried about their next meal never mind you know what's on Netflix tonight yeah absolutely man. but you know don't underestimate the importance of entertainment if you're sitting inside a, a you know a shitty little house in, in a dust swept um, uh, informal settlement you know, time is dragging past you uh, like a sloth. I mean, you, you want to, you and I take for granted that we just go on WhatsApp or YouTube and, and or Netflix or just WhatsApp by itself is something to entertain socially and also all the jokes and stuff for ages. But if you can't afford airtime on 3G because it's like one rand per meg and you don't know where the airtime's going, you don't do that. So just as a pure entertainment medium, internet access is crit- critical for people living in poor communities. Well, Alan, what are you hoping are going to be some of the the positives that we take out of this time in history in South Africa, as we maybe look back maybe five or 10 years from now? I'm the eternal optimist, but it's, uh, I don't really know. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the future looks like. I'll, on my own perspective, I've kind of become a lot more comfortable letting go um, of, you know, feeling like I have to control events. I think everybody in South Africa, if you're a control freak, this whole thing has freaked you out because you don't know what's going on and you don't know when it's going to end and you don't know how, you don't know what's going to happen to the economy. You don't know when the lockdown is going to finish. You don't know how you're going to get groceries. I mean, there's so many things that are just completely outside of your control and, and letting go is probably a healthy thing for all of us to kind of get used to. You know, I, I, in my own personal career, I had a bit of a setback about seven years ago and that completely changed my relationship with money. And I, and I became quite conservative in terms of not taking out debt unnecessarily. And I got my living costs very low. So I could drive a Honda Jazz and I rent the house I live in. And I still have a great life, but I've like really lowered my living costs. And thank goodness I did that because now we're in like an economic crisis and I'm not really exposed from a debt perspective and my personal cash burn rate is quite low. You know, and that's those kind of sometimes those lessons can only be learned the hard way. And a lot of people are going to learn that the hard way. And the outcome of that is a lot of people will be less kind of conspicuous in terms of consumption and, and you know, less vulnerable in debt well i think that is a, a fantastic uh piece of advice or at least some learning uh that we take out of this conversation alan craig chairman of herotel i thank you for your time stay safe uh, keep the family well and uh, i hope we get to connect again in the future thanks alex i appreciate the invite it's time for us to get into our events guide for this week and we kick off with the Field Market in Santon, which is a family-centered field market situated in Parkmore, has a lovely setting under the trees and focuses on supporting local vendors. Enjoy everything from handmade goods to deli products, gourmet food stalls and a craft gin bar. There's live music throughout the day and kiddies Christmas activities too. Then the Brighton Organic Market in Santon is situated in the heart of Brighton and this organic market will host its last market for the year, a Christmas market from Tuesday 15 December to Friday 18 December 3 to 7 p.m. This wholesome family event offers festive food and handcrafted gifts. 
Then the Christmas Village uh, is taking place in the outdoors of Santon City this year. Immerse yourself in a traditional European Christmas experience for that festive feeling from gifting to gourmet delights and entertainment. The Christmas Village is at entrance 12, which is Protea Court, between 10 and 22 December, Monday to Thursday, 2 p.m. to 8 p.m., and Friday to Sunday, 12 noon to 9 p.m. Then Billy the Bums Four Ways welcomes Afrikaans singer Kurt Darren. He's making an appearance on Saturday, 12 December 2020. Tickets are available through Howler. Then Catsies and Rosebank, certainly my favorite South African band. It's Dr. Victor and the Rasta Rebels on Friday, 11 December 2020. Cover charge is 100 Rand per person. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. Space is limited, so be sure to book. Altitude Beach Club Four Ways. It's a night out with Lyra, supported by Kitchen Mess, Vinnie Da Vinci, and Lulo Cafe on Thursday, 17 December 2020. And that's your events guide for this week. As always, stay safe, avoid any potential super spreader events, and go out responsibly. And that's it for the Santon Times podcast this week. It's been fantastic having you listening, and thank you so much if you have been supporting this podcast for the last couple of months. It's really appreciated. And if you're listening for the first time, well, I hope that you tune in again and download and subscribe to this podcast uh, right now. <laughs> you can email editor at santantimes.ca.za if you want to get in touch or you can get in touch on social media using at santantimes or visit the blog santantimes.ca.za. You can subscribe, share and leave a review or rating for this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud and YouTube. A special thank you to my guests for today. Christmas is almost upon us and then onward to a whole new year. Can you believe it? We've got one last episode lined up for 2020 next week, and then we take a break before releasing a new season of the Santon Times podcast for 2021. For now, stay safe, thank you for listening, and let's chat again next week.